I'm coming to believe nowadays that if something is popular, if an idea is very popular, it's probably because there are propagandists who have found it useful. I, I mean, criticize things is just simply because they're popular. And then I have this basic question. If your view helps Vladimir Putin, then re-examine it. There's views on the left and on the right that are, well, the right's clearly outright pro-Putin and the left basically just aligns with his side and his issues. So trigger warning, it may trigger you, try to keep calm and carry on as we have um, this discussion. So my name's Rich Procida. I'm an author, an attorney. I studied law and did some graduate work in international service at American University in Washington, DC. I co-authored a textbook on global studies, a survey of uh, First Amendment law in different countries around the world. And I founded the Truth and Democracy Coalition because I really felt that we need a pro-democracy movement in this country. We need not just an anti-racist movement, but an actual pro-democracy movement. So I founded the Truth and Democracy Coalition, and I started producing a podcast called Democracy Under Fire, and you can find that on YouTube or your podcast app. I do another podcast, which I started much earlier, called Bible Study for Progressives. You can also look that up, and you'll find I publish everything on that page anyway. So all the podcasts come together. It's kind of like just my little baby. Whatever I'm doing is what the podcast is about. So I, I also write and speak about religion and politics, and I currently practice law in California. So what I'm going to do is a short presentation, a short little, no more than like a thousand words, something like that, and talk about some of my feelings about what has happened here. But most of this is going to be your opportunity to respond, ask questions, discuss things. Um, it's a short opinion piece. So this is mostly going to be discussion. Now, this thing in Ukraine, this war in Ukraine, I, I was okay with COVID. I knew the insurrection was coming. You know, I was battling Donald Trump from the day the Miller report came out to try and hold him accountable. And I was doing okay, reasonably okay with all of that, with all of these problems. But when Ukraine hit, it was a, I wasn't prepared for that. And it brought up old trauma of being forced to be someplace I don't wanna be. It's unimaginable to me that this is, could happen. I can't imagine how the people their feel about this and that somebody would actually do this. It's so disturbing to me and I'm so upset about it. And that's why I've decided to have this discussion. And also because we're not, we're getting, we're not getting aired a variety of opinions. We're getting the, the far right. And they're not hawks on this issue. Surprise, surprise, surprise. They're not calling for military action. And the left, they can't do an anti-war protest without being against NATO. 
So I'm excluded from both sides. So that's why I say this opinion is not left or nor right. It's more in the middle. Maybe. Maybe it's the middle. Maybe it's just my opinion. So this has been a difficult time for me. But I want to begin just by pointing out that uh, start. You know, the atrocities that Putin is committing in Ukraine right now, combined with the expectation that there's going to be a long, bloody and expensive war, makes me think that it's now time, it's been time already. It was time from the very beginning, actually, to start talking about winning this war. I mean, are, are we going to have really years, years of this? We're going to put up with years of what's going on right now in Ukraine. Winning is the only realistic exit strategy. And forcing Putin to the bargaining table is our only hope. You know, it's time to push back on Putin's war and reverse the global decline of democracy, because that's what Putin is attacking here. Not only NATO, but democracy, liberty, freedom, human rights, everything that is the most important things on our agenda is under attack right now. So democracy itself, which is a human right, it's in the Declaration of Human Rights to have the right to be represented, to rule ourselves, is threatened around the globe. In 2020, it lost ground. In 2000, the 2022 Global Democracy Index now rates America's democracy as 26th in the world. And the Economist reports for the first time since they've been doing this, that more than half the world's population now lives under authoritarian regimes. And the, most recently, the United States Human Rights Report shows that human rights are backsliding too. And these are obviously connected and they are the same thing. So these authoritarian leaders like Putin, they're terrified by the pro-democracy movements around the world from the Arab Spring to the present and to protest in their own countries. And of course, there are also domestic propagandists who have a variety of motives and objectives, but what they've been doing is stoking division and disseminating propaganda designed to undermine democracy. So they've spent years convincing Americans, and this has gone on for years already, and many of you will recognize these hopefully, but they've convinced both the left and the right that we as Americans cannot or should not or must not promote democracy in the world, that, that we can't, don't have a real democracy in our country, we can't do nation building, and this is more on the right though, but we needn't care about what happens in other countries as if we should just wait until the enemy is on our doorstep before we respond. They say our democracy is flawed, and that some of our recent attempts at nation building have failed. And therefore, we mustn't dare promote or defend democracy in other countries. It's true. 
that the United States of Europe have not only failed to defend democracy, they have at times actively undermined it. This, however, does not mean that we shouldn't promote democracy. It does not mean that we shouldn't defend democracy. It does not mean that we should give up on democracy. It means that we do a, need to do a better job at nation building, a better job at promoting and defending democracy. Americans' history with nation building is actually mixed. Those people are telling you, oh, we're a terrible failure. We can't do anything. Well, hey, we set up a democracy in Japan, South Korea, and there's other nations that we've been successful at promoting. Look at all of South America and Latin America. Now, democracy is threatened there now, too, by global factors. But compared to Africa, South America is free, and that's our area there of um, our area that we, I forget what they call that, but that's our backyard. And so we are not the enemy of democracy. America is not the enemy of democracy. It's not the enemy of freedom. It's not, it's not some capitalist, horrible country, okay? We're, we're not perfect, but hey, we're not oppressive like Putin's regime. We're not an authoritarian. So here's the problem. If America and Europe fail to defend democracy, while Russia and China attack it, democracy is going to continue to decline. It's going to collapse. If one side is attacking it and the other side is doing nothing to protect it, that's the inevitable result. We must be willing to defend freedom, democracy, and human rights, or we're going to lose them. We can't let the threat of nuclear war cause us to allow dictators to invade and overthrow democracies around the world. We can't stand back and watch them commit genocide. As a regional alliance, NATO must step in to stop the slaughter. It shouldn't wait until a member nation is attacked. That would allow Putin to pick off non-member nations one at a time. And other authoritarian leaders will seek to take advantage of our weak military response. Putin attacked Ukraine in part because Ukraine wants to be a member of NATO. So Putin's invasion of Ukraine is an attack on NATO. And Putin's targets are NATO, and Western liberal democracy. Ukraine is paying the price for our false sense of security. If we think that by allowing this to go on in Ukraine and not putting an end to it makes us safer, I, I don't have anything to say to that. This is not our failure to respond is not making the world safer. In fact, if Putin is allowed to take Ukraine, no one is safe. Millions of people depend on international laws and organizations to protect them. We can't cut and run just because there's a risk. Many have died defending our freedoms. It's clear now that Russia is no match for NATO. If NATO had entered the war, it might already be over. 
And any fear that NATO entering the war would lead to an escalation of violence is no longer a tenable argument, given Putin's brutality, human rights abuses, and the targeting of civilians, the slaughter of civilians. Any fear that NATO entering the war could increase the Russian soldiers' morale or undermine opposition to Putin in Moscow must be dismissed now, given Putin's heavy-handed treatment of dis dissidents, uh, public support in Russia for Putin, and his troops' willingness to commit atrocities. The only thing that can bring Putin down now is a resounding defeat. We must be ready to do whatever it takes to save Ukraine. Fighting against Putin's unprovoked war on Ukraine is a just war. I mean, we got to know what's important in this war. What's worth fighting for? Is it worth fighting for oil, for our strategic interests? And then we ignore human rights violations, ignore assaults on democracy, ignore in unprovoked invasions? The fall of Ukraine, the slaughter of her people, the overthrow of democracy, the oppression of the Ukrainian people, and a long, bloody war are unacceptable. The international community must find a way to stop and prevent war, war crimes, and crimes against humanity. What happens in Ukraine will impact democracy around the world. Foreign governments like Russia will continue to disseminate propaganda across the globe designed to cause political division that's designed to paralyze policymakers in the United States and Europe. We've seen authoritarian leaders like Modi in India, Duterte in the Philippines, Bolsonaro in Brazil, Trump, in the United States, rise to power. Trump even attempted a coup in the United States. The overthrow of Ukraine will accelerate the decline of freedom, democracy, and human rights. On the other hand, should Ukraine defeat Russia, it could reverse the global decline of democracy. World dictators will know that the community of free nations will fight for and defend democracy, human rights, and the rule of law. We can't expect democracy to survive if we are unwilling to fight for it. So I hope that didn't trigger too many people here. Thank you. Go ahead, Brittany. Okay, so I have an opinion. I have an opinion about the about what the heck is going on in, in Ukraine. Because I had the news uh, last went last Thursday, and there was a, a lady lost a son because of that, and the Russians keep on doing the doing the, the attacks in Ukraine, and it it really has to stop. This attack has to stop. It Thank needs you. to stop. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you. You're welcome. Go ahead, Jeffrey. First off, I couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have, I literally couldn't have said it better myself. Literally, I'm trying to become a politician myself to fight so I can fight for those three three principles, not just in America, but but across but across the world too. The right way without invoking World War Three. 
really, you know. But also, and also, and on a personal note, I sent you a friend. I think I sent you a friend request on your Facebook account. Thank you, Jeffrey. I'll look for that. And this is a piece of propaganda that I want to address here. This idea that World War III—it's something Biden brought up right away. I think it was a mistake to say we're not going to do anything militarily at that point. I think he's trying to allay protests from his own side, but I think it can't let us stop thinking. So this is what propaganda does when it says, oh, World War III, and then we stop thinking, what about the people in Ukraine? Are they paying the price for what I call our false sense of security, that somehow we're avoiding World War III? And why should they pay the price? I mean, it makes us stop thinking about the, the facts on the ground. We can now say, oh, well, we can't do anything and just watch the slaughter. And I think there's very important questions. Yes, there's the threat and it's a real risk. And Putin has nuclear weapons. But is the answer really to avoid any military conflict whatsoever and allow him to do what he's doing? I don't think that's the answer. Go ahead, Jamie. Hold on. Can I say one, two things real quick? Go ahead, Jeffrey. It's, there's something I just don't get. I don't understand. Putin, first off, Putin has the military military capacity. So if he could, he could just send, he could have sent the whole Russian army into Ukraine and like that, like that, Ukraine would have been under Russian occupation, but he hasn't. What's yeah. it? Why is, why is that? Yeah, that I don't know. And I'm not sure that he has the capability that we think. But I think what's being revealed here, we know very much democracies have weaknesses. You know, we're messy, we don't act fast, we get divided, we can be divided, and we can fail to act because of that. But there's real weaknesses for authoritarian dictators. And I, my real question at the beginning of this was, can you really send young men to go kill people? Can you really do that? I mean, yeah, sure, you can do it. But how well can you do that? Is, is, that may be a lesson that dictators need to draw that you just can't send human beings to die and kill for you just because you're the dictator. And Go ahead, I, Jamie. I know. Hold on. I, hold on. There's even videos that prove that they didn't know, they didn't know what they were getting, the Russians didn't know what they were getting themselves into. That may be true, too. And, and obviously, yeah, there's a lot of problems there. Thank you, plus, Jeffrey. Plus, one last thing. One last thing. It looks... It looks like the people of Ukraine are actually doing a good job fighting against Russia. If you see the if you see the videos, yeah, sure, and that's great, and 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 I'm glad that's happening. But think about it: what? Why did Putin expect to be able to just roll into Ukraine and and everybody just leave and and then surrender? Well, it's because we in the United States made it. We in the the world made him think that they welcomed. Zelensky into their home. Come here while Russia rolls over. Everybody expected Russia to just roll over Ukraine. Everybody expected that. and Nobody was willing to stand up against it. No wonder he thought it was going to be easy. Go ahead, Jamie. Hello. Hi, Can Jamie. you hear me? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. And I'll try to be brief. Um, and I'd like to just say a just a little tiny bit about myself. I, I live in the San Francisco area, California. My parents are immigrants from El Salvador. I've traveled to the Middle East. I'm an activist with things related to the Middle East. 
So I believe in helping when I see tragedies around the world. And I knew I was going to be criticized for supporting Ukraine on Facebook, you know, on certain pages. I've heard from some individual more from the left. I don't like these words left and right, but anyway. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, but the Ukrainians have been attacking Donbass or these areas where the Russian population is. Even before this invasion of the Russians, they've been attacking Russian areas. Now, and I realize, and I'm pretty sure that Russia has been moving Russian populations to populate other places like Kazakhstan and other places. So they they brought Russians to populate these areas. I'm sure they they probably did that to these areas of Ukraine that that have become uh, in the separatist movement. So that's my comment. I don't know if you want to make any comment. What I would say is that whatever propaganda Putin's Putin out putting out about Dabas, the only aggressor here is Putin. That's the only aggressor. I, I do not believe Ukraine has been attacking their own part of the country. This that I think that's Putin's propaganda. Now I'm not haven't followed that, but the main aggressor has been Putin. He attacked Crimea and he attacked a number of countries before that. Ukraine has been on his target list. Trump was trying to help him in that regard in some respects. But anything that says other than Putin is the aggressor here is probably not the facts on the ground. And so there's a lot of propaganda straight from Putin to Tucker Carlson's mouth. We're getting propaganda. And the left, they've just been anti-American. And that is anti-Western world anti a lot of anti-christian of course and all of these things help putin because he's attacking the western world western democracy western liberalism is under attack thank you have any thank you jamie go ahead melinda hi i just wanted to address a couple of things i believe that trump i mean trump putin is trying to maintain the, uh, he's not at war. So that's in his own country, he's trying to spread that message that he's not at war. So I think that that might be one of the reasons why he's not just getting all the troops down there um, and making it very obvious. Um, also the threat of nuclear war, basically that would be suicide for Russia. Isn't that right? I mean, if he, you know, releases his nuclear bombs, we release ours, and then nobody survives. Um, so I don't know if that is a valid threat, unless you're willing to commit suicide. And then also the problem with like helping Ukraine, Ukraine and, you know, is that our country is so messed up right now. You know, it's like we're fighting democracy. We had people, you know, going into the capital, believing lies and, mm -hmm. and trying to take over. And these lies are just really have taken root and you can't fight them with facts. I don't like to leave things unchallenged because you know I just think that silence is not a good approach. So I always say something and I try to back it up with facts or articles or something it is not well received, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and the last thing I wanna say is why isn't NATO 
being more proactive. You know, if it's if they're alleging crimes against humanity, isn't that enough to go in and and save those people? I believe it is. Yeah. On the nuclear thing. So there's this development of I don't if they call it tactical nuclear weapons. These are nuclear weapons that are a lower grade, right? So things that maybe can be shot from mortars rather than from missile silos. So when we talk about the use of nuclear weapons, we're not just talking about missiles and blowing people up. We may be talking about some form of small nuclear arms um, that have been developed over time. And it is a disaster. It is suicide. And the threat is there, but it's not it's more of a threat. I mean, if, if Putin makes a lot of threats and tells a lot of lies, and if we respond every time with, oh, my God, World War III, we're going to be manipulated. Yeah. And then, you know, America does have a lot of problems. And a lot of these problems are related to Putin's propaganda that's been spread throughout our country. So and but we do have a lot of problems. And we do have to deal with those problems. And we are part of the world community, too. So this global decline of democracy has come to our shores as well. It's hitting, it's been like a wave. It's hit all the countries, all even the strongest democracies. We see it in Canada, Chile, even the full democracies are getting hit with this. So we are part of that world community. And the problems in our country are also problems in other countries. So, but none of that says that we should stop defending democracy around the world, stop fighting for democracy. That's, that's not the, the response that we have to have. Uh, we certainly have to do it better um, than that. And then NATO, and, and other people may have different opinions on this. You know, NATO could have, included Russia. That was years ago when I was in college, when the Soviet Union collapsed and they could have moved. But there was a hawk movement that decided no NATO is designed to be a buttress against Russia. And this is where sort of the global realism, realistic politics, the billiard balls, you can't have NATO, what's it going to counter if it's not countering Russia? type of arguments came out. And so we missed that opportunity and it's probably long gone by now. But I think NATO needs to, I mean, it's a very technical definition to say we're only going to defend NATO countries because this is certainly an attack on NATO. And what is NATO and what is the UN there for? When, when Zelensky went to the UN and said, hey, dissolve yourself, you failed. I, he's got a point. They're supposed to stop this from happening, not sit there and watch and then prosecute later. Thank you, Melinda. Okay, Noel. So Noelle. I, um, I have a, a question. I attended um, a little seminar on um, on peacefully having Putin come to the table and um, stop his attack on Ukraine, which I don't, I don't think is realistic. But what would, you, what would you say and how would you counter this idea that, that this can be won peacefully without supporting 
weapons for Ukraine. Yeah, I kind of had this question on a in a discussion with the Poor People's Campaign meeting that I was on, and it's and they sort of said something like, "Oh, this child said, well, they're not willing to talk to each other." Well, it's that's it's naive, and to think that the problem is just that they're not willing to talk to each other. Yes, Putin is not willing to talk. He's willing to talk. Actually, he's willing to talk all he wants. He's just not willing to resolve the issue. You know, he has no intention of resolving this through negotiations. And that's the problem that we face. That's the reality that we face. And the only way to get him to the negotiating table is to force him to go there. And right now we're not doing enough to force him to go there. And the only way to force him is to is militarily, because that's it's on the ground that he will be forced to the negotiation table. He may have been forced to the negotiating table to begin with here, with Ukraine's resistance, but he still has no intention of solving this through negotiations. So some idea that we're going to, to sort of magically, if we just get together and talk, if human beings are just reasonable and nobody really wants war well nobody is a lot of people and i don't think putin falls into the category of nobody um he wants war and he wants power and that's what's happened throughout human history and we've got to find a way to deal with it because we're not dealing with it successfully now so I just I just have a, a, another question to add on to that, which is how how do you get Putin to the table to negotiate? Certainly, sanctions are, aren't effective because you know it's a dictatorship, and they just arrest anyone who speaks out. As someone said, the oligarchs can always steal more, so it doesn't really affect the oligarchs at all. Um, it affects the people, but they they can't speak out against it. So do you see supporting Ukraine and giving them more in, intensive weapons? Or do you see actually getting uh, a NATO military involved and actually attacking, um, attacking Russia instead of just defending Ukraine? Okay, so I'm actually sort of the all of the above type of response i i like i'm impressed with the sanctions i i'm i'm very happy that biden was able to put that together and that we were very successful and resolute as far as the sanctions go and i think that's something biden with his experience was able to do and yes i think we should do sanctions yes i think we should provide everything he asked for i was for no fly zone in the beginning i don't know if but whatever he's asking for, I'm for. And the last part was, yeah, NATO. I think NATO is more defending Ukraine. And I'm not a military person, so I don't know how we would go about that. But I think that one thing I'm sure of is Russia does not want NATO involved in this. And that in itself is a reason for NATO to be involved. They're trying to keep NATO from being involved. And NATO could put, could possibly put an end to this very, very quickly. And we wouldn't have to see people being shot in the back of the head. Yeah. 
of course, it, it's unpredictable. You know, things could go awry. There's no doubt about that. Yet the alternative is what we're seeing now. So is, is what we're seeing now okay, tolerable, or should we do take further action to stop it? And I think, and there are risks, no doubt, but the risk of not doing anything are, are painfully obvious as well.